Today's episode of Tampering is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest in uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting. Join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to tampering.robinhood.com. That's tampering.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co forward slash fees. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hello and welcome to Tampering, the NBA podcast at The Athletic. I'm Sam Amick, NBA insider here as always with friend, colleague, fellow insider, Joe Varden. What's up, sir? Well, I'm a little under the weather here, Sam. Uh, the actual flu. Oh, boy. Been fun. I'm supposed to be in Milwaukee this week. So this is your flu game. Yeah, this is my flu game, and I'm going to be in Milwaukee this week, and so I'm going to look to make out with literally everyone in Milwaukee on Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know where yeah. to go from there. I just, I just, I was just trying to think of people in Milwaukee who I should be concerned right. for. Uh, they all work for the Bucks, which makes it strange. Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe. I, I, we don't like I tamper with the guys. I tamper with the guys. It's a game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Make more money doing that. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. You know me, I talk. <laughs> That's what I like to put in cover the ring. It's not rocket science. Everybody went off like I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. John Krasinski. Out of Minnesota, not not T Wolves beat writer, but but expert on all things T Wolves, expert on all things Vikings, Twins, all of the above in the Minnesota region. The legendary Johnny K. What's up, sir? Legendary. I don't know about that. Uh, pleased to be joined by you guys by phone, uh, so I don't have to make out with Joe in person. He tried to do that <laughs> when I was in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Thanks, Joe, but I'm going to pass on that." So I only had a call right, then. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you're safe. So our second guest, just to tease that, is going to be Shab Sharadia, who, uh, whose phone or maybe even phones multiple, I'm, I'm sure, is on fire this week. It's trade deadline week, and that's certainly going to be the major focus of this particular podcast. So just to give the listeners a real sense of where we're going here. Uh, before we go down that road, we hadn't talked in a little bit here, and, and I think we were going to, with obvious reasons, kind of share quickly the backdrop of uh, just how unique – this you know past week has been for what we do for a living uh the kobe bryant tragedy and, and you know the nine victims who went down in that helicopter accident now two sundays ago and his daughter gianna um it's like nothing i've ever been a part of uh, certainly professionally and, and i was on the west coast covering it pretty intensely and so you know in the interest of kind of being authentic here. And I told the guys this off the air and, and we're going to talk trade deadline this week for sure. But I'm just being honest. It is tough to care um, about it because of the magnitude of, of that loss. And it, I think it's presented, you know, to varying degrees, that kind of a challenge 
for everybody all around the league. Um, you know, I think there was a unofficial moratorium, you know, last Sunday and Monday in the days that followed the tragedy where teams were not talking like they would have been otherwise. I think it was a little uncomfortable um, from that point forward with teams trying to figure out and executives, you know, what's appropriate. And, and, you know, now because we're talking here three days before the deadline, certainly the phones are going to ring and people are, are getting to work. Uh, I, I think about Rob Palenka first and foremost, the Lakers GM who was Kobe's best friend. And, uh, and, and I've said this previously too. the Lakers front office is not very robust, meaning that there are other franchises where maybe there could have been really qualified people to grab the phone and help Rob out in a week like this with that. I'm sure emotionally is pretty challenging. They don't have that. They really just don't. And so, you know, he's up against it as the Lakers try to figure out what, if anything, they want to do uh, at this deadline. But Joe, let me throw it to you from there. I mean, how do you kind of reconcile uh, that, that element here? Well, I mean, I was uh, talking to um, Adam Mendelson, who's, you know, works with LeBron and was joking with him. What it was, when was the last time he had somebody he worked for uh, crumple up a speech he helped write, uh, which is basically right. what LeBron did on, on Friday. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as you were just talking, Sam, um, I, I thought of something that I think we should probably talk about and it, it's it's timely not only for what you were doing last week and everything that happened last week but what we want to talk about today, which is this is trade deadline week. Uh, the Lakers, of course, are a favorite to get to the finals, maybe win it. Um, they are also imperfect and here you have Rob Palenka who this is certainly one of the worst things that's ever happened to him. Um, and then also he has his team and, and he has his team that went through this thing. Uh, that was more painful and unique to the Lakers than anybody else in the league, and, and certainly the whole league is grieving. Um, but can you can you be Rob this week and take anybody who was on that bench arm in arm Friday night at Staples Center and take them out of the locker room? Um, can you you know this is a business. You have to be shrewd. You have to make moves you feel are necessary to go and win. But just given the magnitude of everything, um, how, how likely is it that 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 you could see the Lakers make a change here in the next few days? I mean, I can't get a beat on it, I and mean, we'll know more in the coming days. I, I think really the guy that obviously is front and center is is Kyle Kuzma, and kind of widely seen as the only player on that roster that where you could potentially get pretty good value. And, and so, who knows what that market looks like? And I do think that. Not trying to be callous whatsoever, but you know Rob has to make those calls and he has to have those discussions. And hypothetically, if let's say they did trade Kyle, that that would be hard emotionally for him. I think mostly for him. I, I'm you know not that I mean people in that locker room care about him, but I think the Lakers who remained would know that they had to move on. Kyle was one of the you know he was part of that kind of army of young players who you know, looked up to Kobe big time, got a relationship with him personally. You know, I think it's got to be taken in consideration, but it's also, you know, it's, it's, it's a pro sports league and it's a, you know, $8 billion business at this point, whatever it is. So we shall see. Um, let, let's kind of find a way to segue here with Mr. Krasinski because uh, a time is of the essence. I know we have Shams coming up in about 20 minutes. Um, John, the, the T wolves are front and center here, brother. Like they are, a, uh, they are not playing well whatsoever. Uh, the stat that you dropped in your story today with Shams, I think it was in there, was you know they go ten and eight out of the gate. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is is kind of uh, clapping back at at Kendrick Perkins, who had made fun of the T Wolves' aspirations of getting to the playoffs, and 
It looked like they might have the last laugh on that front. And then they have just absolutely dropped off in a major, major way since then. Um, as we sit here chatting today, what's the fallout? What's the ripple effect you know, as it pertains to the deadline, you think? Yeah, I think it, you know, the, the Wolves are in a tough spot right now, guys, because it, they clearly are in the first year of a reinvention or a rebuild or however you want to call it. They you know, fired Tibbs last year. He was the not only the head coach, but also essentially the king of that basketball franchise and made all the moves and all the all the decisions and and made um, you know brought in personnel to fit his system and and to do things the way that he wanted to do it. And when you go away from that and you bring in Gerson Rosas uh, from Houston to kind of inject some sort of modern philosophies on offense into things and, and to really try and build something a little more sustainable. They knew that year one was going to be a difficult one because they're, you know, they're, they're play, putting in a new system that doesn't necessarily fit the players that they have right now, but they also know that there are only a few players that are probably going to be on this team three years down the road when they want to be positioned to be much more of a factor in the Western conference. Um, so Man, did Joe already get you sick, John? What's happening? Yeah, I, I, he did. I think he I, I think I did. He's that contagious. S- Sam, th- there's this brand new invention, uh, that I don't, maybe it hasn't made its way to Minnesota yet. It's called the cough button. Yes. You know, you can actually hit this crazy button and it mutes the line. It's amazing. Well, in mid sense it's kind of tough. I, I can't catch up with all this, all this fandangled technology. I mean, come, come on, guys. it's Minnesota. They, they, exactly. they just premiered ET last week. Like, what do you it's want? It's cold up here, man. I, the, I'm going to use that as a great excuse to interrupt you rudely because um, I didn't throw it to you very well. John, your, your insight, fantastic as always, but let me kind of drill down real quickly on mm-hmm. just bottom line. D'Angelo Russell being a guy that the Wolves have been pursuing for quite some time now. Um, that seems to have legs to it in the here and the now. If, if we're having fun on the pod and, and just handicapping here, uh, if you got to make a prediction one way or the other, do you think they get their hands on them at the deadline or not? Um, I think it's going to be difficult. I think there's a lot of obstacles between getting there right now. Number one is the Warriors, I think, are a very shrewd front office, and I they – probably are looking at the D'Angelo Russell situation and saying, look, um, we will have a couple of offers that come in uh, this week ahead of the Thursday trade deadline that we'll have to consider. But there will be even more options that could open up this summer. Once the Warriors are not hard capped, once a team or two misses out on a star free agent or gets a little desperate um, to, to supplement their roster in a thin free agent season, maybe there will be more people that come to the table for D'Angelo Russell. I think what the Wolves look at is they really do want D'Angelo Russell to pair with Carl Anthony Towns, and they are kind of looking around the league and wondering, okay, if it's not going to be us, who is it going to be? Is there a huge market for D'Angelo Russell right now? And so I think that they are hopeful that in, in the next three days, there will be some negotiating that goes back and forth right now. Both teams are kind of trying to draw lines in the sand and saying, no, I won't, I won't, uh, you know, add this unprotected pick or I won't, um, you know, you take uh, Andrew Wiggins or, or, or any other kind of players that could be thrown in the mix there. So uh, they're both kind of dug in, but as you guys both know, as we get closer to the deadline, those lines in the sand get blurred. And so I think there is a chance 
that something could happen. But I do think that both teams have to move off of their kind of really dug in positions right now to make that happen. Yeah, not that this would be the X factor, but uh, I heard something a couple of weeks ago that kind of stuck in my mind, uh, just the human element from D'Angelo's side and the idea that while he has been nothing but, you know, kind of reverent in reference to the Warriors and his chance to learn from Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, and, and all these different guys who have been champions for so many years now, he also, it sounds like he was kind of from the human side, just hoping that they would make a decision sooner rather than later um, because he's he's at peace with the fact that he chose to come there. He chose to take the extra money and he knows the business aspect. Um, You know, but I I think if he was being honest, it's like, if if you're going to eventually send me to Minnesota, you know, he'd probably just know what he was doing now. So we'll see on that front. Um, What about the Robert Covington component and and the market for him? What are you thinking there? Well, yeah, I definitely think that there's going to be a lot of action and there already is a lot of interest from teams around the league on Covington, Philadelphia is kind of uh, being aggressive to try and bring a, bring him back to, to where he really established himself in this league. There's several other teams that are nipping around to every single playoffs contender in either uh, conference could use a player of his defensive caliber and a guy who can hit threes, like he can hit them. So uh, the, the wolves are entertaining offers for him. I think that right now they are, asking a hard bargain because they know that there is some demand for his services and so that they're hoping to to get a bidding war going for him and whether that he is included in a D'Angelo Russell deal with Golden State whether you know he they might try and get some assets from another team uh for Robert Covington that would help them turn around and flip them for for Russell in Golden State I think there's a, a lot of options that the wolves are considering on that front right now. I do think that across the league, if you talk to teams who are, who are trying to gauge the market, most believe that there's a far bigger likelihood that Covington is moved somewhere than the, the wolves Russell deal is consummated. Unless of course, Covington is involved in that some way, somehow. But I do think that by the, you know, by, by the deadline, I think there's a pretty good chance that Robert Covington is somewhere else. So uh, there's a couple of things to get into here. One, uh, I read the story as well, of course, and um, you know you've got a bunch of names in there. You and Shams do. I uh, and I don't dabble in the trade rumor stuff as much, but I I had heard that the um, that uh, Russell to the to the Wolves is the one to really keep an eye on for Wiggins. And so I'm thinking about the Warriors and I'm thinking about their future. And I've seen them a, a couple times lately. I'm going to see him again here is when Steph gets back. Um, and and I, I feel like it's going to be great when Steph and Clay come back and they're better uh, n- next year. But they need more. And they like they, they need to do more than just get those guys back. I mean, the losses they've had on the bench um, are, are really devastating. And that was kind of what made them go from really good to virtually unstoppable, which is a long way of me getting to Wiggins on the Warriors. Um, anybody would look pretty good playing next to those three. Um, but does he fit there? And could he even be – could he be Harrison Barnes? Could he be better than Harrison Barnes? I mean, what are we talking about here with Wiggins at this at this point? Yeah, Joe, I think you, you you hit the nail on the head with the, that's exactly what I'm thinking about Harrison Barnes. The question that the Warriors would try to answer if they were to bring him in is can they get him 
regularly and consistently engaged on a night in and night out basis, maybe with Draymond, maybe with Steph and Clay, maybe in that environment, you could get a more consistent level of peak performance out of him than they've been able to get here in Minnesota. He did. He has shown signs throughout this season. Wiggins has of being a more well-rounded player. He's rebounding better. He's passing better. He's handling the ball better, but there's still been peaks and valleys with him. I think if, if he were to be in golden state, obviously he would not have to be a one a like, or a one B like he is here in Minnesota with towns. He could be a third or a fourth option. And I think Excel in one-on-one matchups, I think there'd be plenty of space uh, on the floor for him to go to the basket and create driving lanes, which is what he does best getting downhill and going to the rim. Um, So it it could work certainly, Um, but uh, he is a max guy. And so you'd have to wonder is, are the warriors cool with paying a guy max money to be a third or a fourth fiddle and do they think they can get more out of him than the Timberwolves have been able to get out of him to this point well shoot John to that point and I'm trying to pull the numbers up here um and I'm kind of being glib but you know maybe they should, the, the Warriors should just go out and get the actual Harrison Barnes I think they could probably pull that off the salaries what are the Barnes is they get that big deal he tops out it it's actually declining 24 million this year 22 million next year compared to uh, Wiggins is 27, 29, 31. So cheaper if you go get the the guy himself and, and the Kings, I think are open to anything these days. Um, the Wiggins thing is, I would look at that too and, and wonder uh, like the cultural impact or the cultural effect on his game and his career potentially when being surrounded by those types of people. Um, now maybe we overstate that sometimes, but you know, I think from their side that, would certainly be part of the mindset, which is, you know, the the chance to quote unquote rehabilitate somebody like Andrew Wiggins, who has a ton of talent, but who hasn't, you know, really learned how to be a winner. So, uh, I mean, I would love to see it. I don't know if it would work or not. Yeah, I think. And it, look, uh, anytime you, if, if anyone moves from the Timberwolves franchise, a long uh, suffering and a long dysfunctional franchise to one of the very best franchises in pro sports, you got to think that there's going to be some kind of a bump there. I think the other thing that is real that you would factor in is, okay, if Andrew Wiggins actually gets traded, maybe that is another thing that sort of gets to him a little bit that, that wakes him up a little bit. I mean, one of the, the interesting elements of his first five plus years here in Minnesota, he always, always plays really well against Cleveland. Why? Because Cleveland traded him right away. Uh, right. He always plays it well against Toronto. Why? Because he's from Canada. He's from the Toronto area and he's gets those motivations for whatever reason. I haven't been able to place my finger on it. He plays well against Oklahoma city and he plays well again in the L- in, in LA usually. Um, so there are these certain kind of opponents that he fits, that he has a little chip on his shoulder that he does play well. And you say, wow, this guy is really a handful in those situations, but the chip goes away fairly quickly and so if he's playing in games that have stakes that are more meaningful and he is you know you can play the hey these guys didn't believe in you card prove them wrong maybe that would be enough to to get a little bit more out of him than we've seen um on a consistent basis here in minnesota what do we make of uh wiggins to this point i know we've been kind of beating around the bush but let's get right down to it he was the number one overall pick in 2014 is he a bust 
I don't think he's a bust, Joe. Um, you know, I and I have vast experience with draft busts here in Minnesota, so I know one when I see one. Um, yeah. Derek Williams was a draft bust. You drafted him number two overall. He never really did much of anything in this league. Now he's in Germany playing. To me, that's a bust. Johnny Flynn was a bust. Uh, yeah, part of that was injury related, but hey, that's the way it is. Drafted him, didn't work out. Um, they drafted him in front of some guy in Golden State who hits a bunch of threes, but let's but that's beside the point. But Flynn was a bust. Wiggins has had monster nights and and a lot of them. Um, so I think he's not a bust, but I do think he's a disappointment or underwhelming for sure. Because not only was he a number one pick, but he did play well enough to convince the Wolves to give him a max extension um, and, and to sign him to that deal and hope that he was going to continue the trajectory. And then that's leveled off. And so uh, I, he is a, a tremendous teammate. All of his teammates love him. Uh, he, he's not kind of a, you know, a, an egomaniac or anything like that. He's very low maintenance. He doesn't get in trouble. Um, anything like that, but, uh, he has left you wanting more and there are nights out there where, you know, he has more to give and he doesn't give you that. So, um, you know, I, th I think he, he has not been an all-star, not even close to an all-star. He's making a ton of money. So he's a disappointment, but I just don't see him as the, oh man, th this guy just did not work out at all. He's given them, he's given them durability and some sporadic really good production just not enough of it well said johnny k i don't know where to go from there boys but i think we covered the, the t wolves uh, action pretty well um I, I guess the last thought on that front for me would be from a, a, an emotional locker room standpoint how tight is it these days I, I heard when when they were in i think la um you know from a media standpoint there was a little bit of grumbling that that carl on one day in particular didn't feel like talking and and it just seems like there's a sensitivity around him where the organization is, is well aware that he is not a happy camper right now. Um, you know, what, what's the, uh, the, the psyche and the mindset there? Yeah, they're, they're frustrated right now, no doubt. And they've, you know, Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders have really tried hard to kind of put um, this atmosphere and environment of positivity and encouragement and, and that into what was a very dour um, situation under Tom Thibodeau. And so they've tried to go the other way and really, you know, breathe some air into the thing. And they had success with that early. But, yeah, you, you know, they, they're, they've lost 11 in a row for the second time since Thanksgiving. And that is very frustrating for Towns, for Shabazz Napier, for Robert Covington, for all sorts of team teammates in there, for the coaching staff. Everyone's really frustrated. And I think that, Sam, is where the, the Wolves have to be careful right now as they approach this deadline. It, you don't want to get suckered into a panic deal just to kind of change things immediately if you don't think it can help you in the long term. And so they have to be a little bit careful about trying to be some other teams trying to take advantage of their situation and capitalize on some weakness being shown right now. And so they're going to have to be disciplined that way. But yeah, there's no question that Towns is very frustrated. Um, this whole team is really frustrated because they just can't win a game. The, the most amazing stat for me, guys, is Carl Anthony Towns missed 15 games because of injury in between these two 11-game uh, losing streaks. So he has not won personally when he's been on the floor in 15 games. He's lost 15 straight games. He hasn't won at home 
since November 13th. It's like, wow. it's, it's amazing. So, wow. you know, that's, that's pretty glaring right now. And, and that's why I think it's a little tense around here or around there. So the air conditioning is uh, is not not working. Is that what we're saying? It's ice cold right now. Everybody's freaking <laughs> freezing inside and outside of the buildings these days. All right, Minnesota. Thank you, Johnny. Appreciate you, brother. And uh, we'll see what happens the next couple of days. Thanks for taking the time. You got it. Thanks, guys. You sanitizer. <laughs> Jeez. Joe's trying to drive listeners away. This is the WebMD podcast. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. Now, LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. You know, this life, this NBA life, uh, as a player, certainly, as a coach, as a general manager, but, but also as a reporter. I mean, you're talking about nightly going into these buildings with screaming loud music and thousands and thousands of people and it, depending on your job you you're actively working on a deadline and you learn over time being in this job and and in in the NBA um that that mental health and mental fitness requires work and calm i think is is certainly a way into that it's just it's a way to kind of reset your mind it's something that you can use so you can sleep better have less stress and just overall perform at your best now for a limited time our listeners can join lebron and using calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com/tampering unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at com.com slash tampering that's com.com slash tampering so we are now joined as teased before by Shams Sharania from The Athletic, uh, NBA insider and a dude who, as we kind of joked, Shams, it's I don't know if you're a, a multiple phone guy, uh, but I'm sure the phone is, is on fire already with the activity heating up this week. I guess give us a, a quick sense of things on your end. This is when things kind of begin in earnest. How do you uh, how do you see today and, and going forward as the deadline gets closer here? Yeah, I think there's just a lot of different scenarios in play, you know, with all these names, whether it's D'Angelo or you know, Capella, um, you know, Denver's got a couple of guys in Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernando, Mets Philly wants a shooter. Um, you know, just a lot of moving parts potentially here, you know, New York wanting to make a splash, trying to get a big name in there. The fact that all these teams are so crowded, at least in the playoffs, you know, makes it tough for, I think, major moves, but I, th- I think you might see a flurry of, of, of deals. So we could go a couple different directions. I'm going to pick this one. Um, I had, you know, a front office exec I talked to the other night highlight, and this has been written, but highlight, you know, Denver, Miami is two of the most intriguing teams out there on, on obviously both conferences and the general idea that, you know, do they feel uh, good enough about where they are right now or do they want to go ahead and up the ante and, and make a move? Both squads have pieces, both, you know, squads have different scenarios that they could put in play. Uh, what's your, your feeling on, on those two teams? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's like a let's go all in type player out there, available. like if Drew Holiday was available um, right. fully, I think that that would make sense. But, you know, Drew and his camp, they've made it clear, I'm told, that they want to be in New Orleans for the rest of the season, want to see how this team's growth play develops over the course of the year with Zion. Like they've played you know, 13 of 20. They've played, they've looked like a different team with Zion. You can tell that they're going to be special um, potentially. And so I, you know, with him out of the mix, I don't know if there's another game changer available for them. Um, you know, Denver, I think is tries to be active, trying to see if there's a game changer available, you know, Drew 
know, Zach Levine's another guy that I think that they, you know, poked around at, but you know, there's just nothing that that's viable. And so I would expect more around the edge type moves for both, for, for both teams. Just a quick follow there. You're reporting on the Drew stuff. Certainly it kind of set the tone in terms of the way he sees his situation. I do wonder, it sounds like from your perspective that you're, you're unofficially taking him off the table. Is that how you feel? Or do you think there is a, a chance that Dave Griffin looks at that and says, yeah, I mean with Griff, I think that he's going to always be open to listening. And I think like, you know, he, he has every player, even I think, you know, from Zion on down, you know, he's, he's going to listen to. So I think that, uh, He's definitely going to listen, but it would it would take a lot, right? Okay, so he's not listening for trades for Zion, but everybody after that, I think we can agree. Um, Shams, you and I have done a lot of work with the Cavs this year, and they're a mess um, as they have been for a couple years now. But since they decided to go full rebuild mode, they, they kind of built their roster with the idea of being able to take on some more contracts and acquire some more assets at this deadline. Um, but you kind of wrote today that that. that that doesn't look very promising, does it? Yeah, I mean, for the Cavs, I don't think there's much of a love market. You know, Tristan Thompson has become available. They talked extension with him, but that really didn't go anywhere. And and so I think he's he's a viable target for teams. But I don't know if they move him for just a second round pick. Um, and that's really all that's so far been on the table. Um, and you know, you look around the rest of the roster. You know, John Henson, Adela Vadova, those are really the guys I'm looking at to dump. Um, but I, I just I don't see much value for them to go to go trade right now. And you, I mean, you were just talking about um, Tristan and second round pick, and with Kevin, it's the same idea. Um, the, the Cavs have a certain position on what they think they should get back. But I mean, in terms of Tristan, if if they don't trade him now, they will lose him for nothing. Um, and then with Kevin too, I mean, it, it appears his presence has been so disruptive for both sides that he might be better off gone. So shouldn't they be thinking about lowering their ask? Yeah, but you got to have another team, right, to, to come tango and try to make you an offer for a guy like Kevin Love. And I just don't see where that offer has been. Uh, you know, Portman was, was talked about, but Hassan Whiteout has played so well. And Nurkic, uh, their center, isn't returning from injury until after the All-Star break, most likely. So there, there really isn't anything feasible for the Cavs out there on Kevin Love. Um, you know, the Knicks have, have tried to go get a Andre Drummond, a, um, uh, D'Angelo Russell potentially, you know, putting together different packages, but so they're clearly wanting a big name, but I don't think that they're desperate enough. They're desperate, it sounds like, but not desperate enough for a guy like Kevin Love. All right. Well, that is our insider, uh, our number one trade insider, uh, all things insider, Sham Sharanya. He's got to go. He's got phone calls to answer. So thanks for taking a few minutes to join us, brother. As always. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Shams. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Good stuff. Well, Joe, it's indicative of the week we're talking about that that Shams is, uh, you know, we're going to have a brief little visit with him and, and look forward to seeing some of the the intel that he shares in the coming days. Um, this is going to be, I think, a relatively quiet week, but some of the stuff that we highlighted, I, I am definitely focused on. The, the the moves that could potentially change contenders. And, and if it's not, like he said, if it's not Drew Holiday for Denver or Miami or teams like that, who might it be? Um, you know, maybe there's going to be a surprise. The Detroit is one that comes to mind that, that appears to be completely open, you know, well beyond Andre Drummond, although I did just... Minutes ago, I have somebody tell me they do not think Derrick Rose will be wearing a different jersey after the uh, deadline. So we'll see if that ends up being the case. Um, in my neck of the woods, Sacramento is an interesting squad because you know they have underperformed to such a, a drastic degree that I think almost everything is on the table. I even chatted with a, 
our front office guy about De'Aaron Fox and like, do you think you could get him? And he said, no, I don't think so. But I just, it's, it's bad enough that uh, these, these conversations on the King side do not begin with any hard rules about who you can't discuss. Uh, you know, they just have to be open to everything. So um, it's, uh, I think it's going to be relatively quiet, but there's always some fireworks. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is another one of those years where you, you feel like there's there's a window to go and, and get it. I mean, Milwaukee is is so good. Um, and maybe just because they're in a small market, um, they're, it's kind of hard to get there for everybody. Uh, and they've just been so quietly dominant. Maybe we're just not paying enough attention. Um, but assuming that's not true, then you, you've got for a second year in a row where this is a, a finals that can be had. You can get there um, and you can win it. Whereas, you know, for years, I mean, there were two teams that were going to do that. Um, so the Raptors showed us last year, like when you have a situation like this, you've got to strike because it's worth it. Um, right. And so right. the Clippers, um, do they have enough right now to get over the Lakers? Uh, I still think they do. Or vice versa. Yeah, I think the Clippers are in a better shape in better shape than the Lakers. I do, um, but I also think, given everything that's happened this week, I uh, also with Kyle's. Uh, we were talking at the top of the show, Kyle Kuzma's trade uh, or uh, contract situation. I, I don't think the Lakers are really going to be able to do anything. You look at a team like the Jazz, who made themselves better by trading for for Clarkson. So that's a start, but but they I mean they are a legit contender. But are they good en- are are they is there another move that can be made there? I mean, you know, they've lost four in a row. They need the uh, All-Star break to get here for sure. Um but they're right there. I mean, they they've got they're very deep. They play great defense. Is there a move they can make? You talked about Miami. Um, way better than we thought they would be. And then of course again, you're looking at the Raptors. I mean, you know, You've been discussing and people have kind of been talking about this lately um, that I think their record is better at this point than it was last year when they had Kawhi. And certainly their record is, I think, a game better than the Clippers. And we we know who (laughs) we know who Kawhi plays for right now. Uh, So, you know, I mean, the the Raptors do have three contracts they can move um, in in Ibaka and Gasol. And um, who's the other one? Freddie, yeah. So, you know, but but all three of those guys actually play quite a a role in the rotation. Can they can they package any of those two together to get somebody? Yeah, and that's that's where the the actual on court stuff impacts the the trade deadline activity because the Raptors were in a different spot six weeks ago when they were scuffling a little bit and people thought that they would be sellers. Now it's almost identical to last year did they look at finding a way to buy to be buyers and to take it to the next level with milwaukee is the only conceivable big time obstacle on their possible path to the finals which is you know kudos to that whole organization for the way they've handled the post Kawhi season it's been incredible um you know denver i keep going back to that denver has kept their their cards close to the vest and not a lot has gotten out um michael porter jr is not going anywhere uh, and I was even told that that is this is a rare thing in those parts. But that uh, from uh, somebody just a few days ago is a Stan Kroenke edict uh, that's coming from on high from the ownership that he is so in love with Michael that doesn't want that going anywhere and or doesn't want him going anywhere. And that's not it doesn't sound like a, a card that, that that Stan plays all that often. Um, and so I found that interesting. But, uh, you know, Atlanta is going to be at the center of a lot of this on the on the lookout for a center. They talked to Detroit about Andre Drummond. They've been reported to be tied to Clint Capella and the Rockets. 
Um, you know, so take note of that. Philly, I know I'm just kind of going around the league, but Philly is super interesting, uh, underachieving at this point. Uh, they, they need to do something. They do not look like uh, the elite team in the East that we thought they were going to be. A lot of eyes on Philly, too. Yeah, um, you hit on two teams that I really want to talk about, and one is uh, you and I, our beloved Nuggets. Um, we call them beloved because we both spent time with them in the playoffs last year, and it's a it's a great group of guys. They're fun to be around. It's actually kind of a fun team to cover. Um, we also know that the interest in the Nuggets nationally is not maybe quite what it should be for a team of, of that caliber. Uh, I was there in Denver on Thursday for for the Nuggets and the Jazz and the Nuggets were heading into the front end of this ridiculous back-to-back where they had to play the Jazz and then fly in the middle of the night out to Milwaukee and go take on Giannis and they had to do it without Jamal Murray, Gary Harris um, and – oh, uh, Millsap and, and then Plumlee's out too and they won both of those damn games. Um you know, Jokic is awesome. He's one of the best players in the league. There's no doubt about that. I'm very high on Jamal Murray, despite being 22 years old. I think he's going to be a hell of a player as he uh, matures. I, the thing with the Nuggets, though, is, is is as we were saying, when the window's open, you got to jump through it, and it's open now. Um, what what they have as currently constructed probably isn't quite enough to get out of the West. And so if they can pull that move for a Drew Holiday, I mean, that, you know, that would be the team that you'd want to see. The problem then, though, is that, you know, Gary Harris would be certainly part of a deal like that. And, and Gary's play is not helped. You know what I mean? No. And, and it's his play in, and the, the inability to kind of reconcile that with his contract. I mean, he's making a ton of yeah. money. And that's yeah. a problem. And I know, listen, we can do the draft what-ifs forever, but I'd be lying if I didn't admit that every time I see Gary play, I think about the Nuggets missing the chance to draft Donovan Mitchell and, you know, what he would look like with Jamal Murray in that backcourt. Um, yeah. So I just don't know if Gary's value, uh, you know, I mean, what the rest of those pieces is going to get you there. But I, I agree that... You know, it's it's uh, they are one of those squads where you're you're a move away and, and now might be the time. They are, um, but I can't stress enough. Um, great coaching staff. Uh, Michael Malone is awesome, and if he had more national exposure, uh, I think people would be falling all over him. He's great, um, and they do have a solid nucleus. The other one is the Sixers. Um, I was with them the night that LeBron passed Kobe. And they played great, but that's because Ben Simmons played out of his mind. Um, and then they were on ABC Saturday night, which I watched from my floor while freezing uh, with the chills. And that was against the Celtics, and they were terrible. Um, they're a terrible road team this year. It's it, And they really, Sam, they didn't get better. Um, they didn't make themselves better from last year. They lost all kind of shooting with Redick and... and um, and and uh, uh, Bellinelli and whoever else, um, Landry Shamit at just, one point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and so you know, yes, they need you. You mentioned earlier they need to go get that shooter. I don't know what assets they have to do that. I think it's going to be difficult, and it's just it's got to be frustrating for the Sixer fan um, because they had that stuff and they didn't, weren't able to bring any of it back. Yeah, no question. But they've got they have core problems, and that's where uh, the move might not be this week. But it's certainly we're going to keep watching it because it's the it's the Ben Simmons Joel Embiid tandem, and and you know the all eyes on. I mean, you know when Joel has been out, Ben just has looked like a monster, and so um, 
that's a very divisive topic. Then you have, you know, the Horford piece that seems tailor made for a Bucks matchup in the playoffs. But in terms of him playing with Joel, when those two guys are healthy and ready to compete, you know, that had, hasn't always been great. So uh, another team that uh, that has a lot to consider. All right, my friend, where are you going to be this week? Uh, I'll be mostly on the home front, working the phones. Uh, uh, I'm a game time decision for tonight's uh, Kings Wolves action. Probably going to that game just to to connect with some folks pregame. Uh, this is you know that fun time of year when everybody's gossipy and everybody's chatty, and and usually it's those hours before tip off where it happens. Um, to be honest with you, brother, and and you know I don't have it in me at all to go down this somber road. I'm just looking forward to to honestly getting distracted and, and working again on the basketball side. It was. I mean, that was the toughest week of my whole career last week. And it's not like, you know, the the grief was all over the, the entire globe. And I want to keep yeah, also just underscoring it was it, it's all nine. You know what I mean? I hate the fact that it, it keeps it keeps being reported and said and I and I get it. But, you know, Kobe, Gianna and the seven others. And I just that phrase in my has been stuck in my head. The seven others like they were a lot more than that. There was five families um, just just unspeakably sad stuff. And it's going to change the Lakers season, certainly until the end of the year. And that's, I think, a topic for another pod. But, um, you know, it's, it's pretty profound how, you know, the loss is going to be in their locker room from now until the end of the season, no matter what happens. But uh, the weird part of me is kind of happy that the trade deadline is right now because it's the type of thing that demands your attention. And and so we'll be tracking it and, and we'll see uh, by the time we talk next week, you, you know, guaranteed going to be some guys in different cities. Well said, my friend. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody out there. This has been Tampering with Sam Amy and Joe Barden. Thanks, brother.